0: My name is Lavender. Please stand up to hear God's word. Today's reading is from Genesis chapter 6, verse 9 to chapter 7, verse 5. This is the account of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked with God. Noah had three sons Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and was full of violence. God saw how corrupt the earth had become, for all the people on earth had corrupted their ways. So God said to Noah, I am going to put an end to all people, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. I am surely going to destroy both them and the earth. So make yourself an ark of cypress wood, make rooms in it, and coat it with pitch inside and out. This is how you are to build it. The ark is to be 450 feet long, 75 feet wide and 45 feet high. Make a roof for it and finish the ark to within 18 inches of the top. Put a door in the side of the ark and make lower, middle, and upper decks. I am going to bring flood waters on the earth to destroy all life under the heavens, every creature that has the breath of life in it. Everything on earth will perish, but I will establish my covenant with you, and you will enter the ark you and your sons and your wife and your son's wives with you. You are to bring into the ark two of all living creatures, male and female, to keep them alive with you. Two of every kind of bird, of every kind of animal, and of every kind of creature that moves along the ground will come to you to be kept alive. You are to take every kind of food that is to be eaten and store it away as food for you and for them. Noah did everything just as God commanded him. The Lord then said to Noah, Go into the ark, you and your whole family, because I have found you righteous in this generation. Take with you seven of every kind of clean animal, a male and its mate, and two of every kind of unclean animal, a male and and its mate, and also seven of every kind of bird, male and female, to keep their various kinds alive throughout the earth. Seven days from now, I will send rain on the earth for forty days and forty nights, and I will wipe from the face of the earth every living creature I have made. And Noah did all that the Lord commanded him. This is the reading of God's word. Please be seated. Thank you. Thank you, Eleanor.
1: Well, it's been three weeks since I've preached, so. Uh, usually, about this time, you buckle your seatbelts because I got a lot of pent up energy. We are starting a new series called Experiencing God Knowing and Doing the Will of God. That is so important that we know what it is that God has for our lives, but not only just knowing it, but that we do what it is that God is calling us to do. And today I want to just kind of give you a 40,000-foot view of this whole series. I'm going to start in today's message. I just want to hit each one of the seven realities of knowing and doing the will of God. And then next, in the ensuing weeks, I will take each one of those and and we'll tear it apart and we'll look at each one in greater detail. So this morning, if you have your, have your Bibles out, I'm going to have you turn to where it is that we, that we read. And we're in Genesis chapters, chapter 6, verses 9 to 7, 5. And the first reality that we see is that God is always at work around us. Do you, do you believe that? You say, well, I'm not, I don't see where God is at work around me. Know that God is always at work around me. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 17, Jesus said, My Father is always at his work. God is always at his work around you. Every person that you see, every person you come in contact with, is somebody in whose life God is working in their lives. God was working in the lives of the people during Noah's time. And we read this. At first you want to say, well, where was God at work in their lives? He was at work in their lives. It says, The Lord saw how great the wickedness was on the earth, how wicked... The Lord saw how great man's wickedness on the earth had become and that every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was on evil only all the time. The Lord was grieved that he had made man on the earth and his heart was filled with pain. God was at work in their lives, but did they want to have anything to do with God? Obviously not. Obviously not. Their hearts, not only was their hearts, was the inclination of their hearts always on evil. But we read as well that they were corrupt and it was a very violent time. Now think about this. This is just like 1,500 years from the time that God created the earth. They say, well, well, maybe they didn't know that God was at work around them. Is, is that an excuse? It isn't. It isn't because in Romans chapter 1, verse 19 to 25, it says, Since what may be known about God is plain to them, Because God has made it plain to them, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal powers, and divine nature have been clearly seen being understood from what has been made, so that men are without excuse. God is saying, look around. Look around. When you look up into the sky and you see the sun, I'm the one who put that there. He said, when you go out at night and you look at the stars, and I don't know, when I walk along the promenade uh, by, by the ocean, by our house at night, I don't normally see a lot of stars because of all the light. But where I came from in the United States, we lived out in the country. And as I'd step out on my deck at night and look out, I could just see all the stars. It was just stars all over the sky. And God says, I'm the one who put them there. And not only does God put them there, he says in his word, you go back to the Old Testament, he says, I know each and every one of them by name. When the Hubble telescope went out and it looked out into the forest reaches of the galaxy, you know what it saw? More and more and more galaxies. Billions upon billions of stars out there. We don't even have a billion words in English. And God says he knows each and every one of those stars by name. He says, I'm the one that put it out there. When you look at your hands, when you look at life, God is saying, I'm the creator of life. God is saying, all that I've done is clear that there is a creator. That there is someone bigger than you who has been involved in what has happened in this world. And God says in his word, you will seek me and you will find me when you seek for me with all of your heart. He had made himself known to the people, but did they want to have anything to do with him? No, they didn't. No, they didn't. And it says, as this verse goes on, it says, for although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile. And foolish, and their foolish hearts were darkened. although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of God for, of the, the glory of the immortal God, for images made to look like mortal man and birds and animals and reptiles. Therefore God gave them over to the sinful desires of their heart, to sexual impurity, the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie, and worshipped and served created things rather than to the Creator, who is forever to be praised. This is just 1,500 years from the time that God created the world. And God says, what? He says, I'm going to put an end to it. I'm going to talk about that more in a minute. But God wasn't only working in the world, but he was also working around Noah, wasn't he? You go back and you look at Noah's great-great-grandfather. He was a guy by the name of, anybody know this one? His name was Enoch. And it says this of what? In chapter, chapter 5, verse 22 and 24, it says this, Enoch walked with God 300 years. He walked with God 300 years. And then we read in verse 24 that Enoch walked with God and then he was no more because God took him. God took him home. He walked with God 300 years. Faithfulness. Every day, every day he got up, every day he got up, he served the Lord. Instead of blending in he stood out. Where I come from in the United States, hunting was a big, big deal. And they would hunt deer, they would hunt moose, they would hunt elk, anything with horns. They, they, were, out there, they were out there hunting. And there's two types of hunting in the United States. One of the type of hunting I would do in the spring of the year, and we'd hunt for, for turkeys. Turkeys are just a, a great big bird in the United States. We eat them uh, in the fall of the year. But with turkeys, it was different when in the spring of the year, when we would hunt for turkeys, you had to be, you had to be camouflaged, and we wore uh, camouflage clothes all the way down to my face. I had to have something over my face so that because the turkeys had such good eyesight, they could pick you out if, if you weren't if you weren't camouflaged. I had to blend in. The opposite is true this time of year when all the hunters go out to hunt for deer. They have to wear something that's called blaze orange. They wear, their, all their clothing is this real, real bright, bright orange. So that when people are out there, and the problem is a lot of the hunters, they drink a lot while they're, while they're also hunting. So that they see anything that moves in the, in the brush, they're going to shoot it. That's why they put on the, the blaze orange. So that, hey, hey, I, I'm not a deer. I'm not something for you to shoot. Rather than, st- rather than blending in, in the fall, you want to stand out. Noah, it says, what of Noah? What kind of a man was he? It says that Noah was blameless. He was blameless. Let me just read that. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, for he walked with God. Same phrase used of his great-great-grandfather, Enoch. He walked with God daily. He, every day that he got up, he chose. He chose rather than to blend in. I'm going to stand out. Let me ask that same question of us. College students, are are you blending in or are you standing out? You say, well, I really don't want to stand out. Young people in in high school, in in your middle school, are, are you blending in or are you standing out? Well, I don't want people to think, you know, that I'm weird. God has called us to be different from the world. He's called us to be in the world, but not of the world. And every day that Noah got up, he chose to follow the Lord. God was at work in his life. God was at work in his life. God is always at work in our lives. Why does God work in our lives? Because God is seeking to bring about his will. Look, at, look with me at a couple of quick verses. Jeremiah 29, 11. It says, For I know the plans I have for you. Do you know that God has a plan for your life? Each and every one of us. And you say, God can't possibly have something planned plan for my life. I mean, I've never managed to succeed at everything. Everything that I've put my hand to has been a failure. And everybody tells me that I'm a failure as well. Now listen what God says. God says, I have a plan for you. And he says, plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. The next verse, please. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. I love this one. He says, for we are God's workmanship. God doesn't create junk. God doesn't make mistakes. He says, you are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do what? Good works. Which what? which God prepared in advance for us to do, before the foundations of the earth. He knew you, and he created, he had a plan for your life. One more, one more scripture here in Philippians. For it is God who works in you to will and do according to his, to, to will and to, and to act according to his good purposes. God is the one who's at work to bring about his precious will in and through your lives. God is always at work, that is your first reality. God is always at work around you. The second reality that we see is God pursues you. God pursues you to have a continuing love relationship with you, a relationship that is real and that is personal. It says of Noah that Noah walked with God. He walked faithfully. He had a relationship with God. Why is a relationship so important? Because when we come to the next point that we're going to see, the invitation to join God in what he's doing only comes in the midst of a relationship. God pursued Noah to have a relationship with him. What does that mean to pursue somebody? My dear wife is not here today, so I can embarrass her a little bit. When, when we were in Bible college, I saw Becca one of the first days of college. She was wearing braids in her hair, and I thought, wow, I want to get to know her. I, I really want to get to her. I was 21 at the time. She was 18. She was living life wild, and she, just, she wasn't interested in anybody. And I thought, I want to get to know her. I found out her first name was Becca and all this kind of stuff. And I knew that she played volleyball, so I'd go to her volleyball games and watch her play volleyball. I, I just, I, I wanted to know more about her. I wasn't, I wasn't creeping on her, but I just wanted to know more about her. And finally the day came, and I saw her walking down the hallway. She'd just finished up with volleyball practice. And I thought, if you're ever going to do it, Joel, you've got to do it now. And so I saw her, and I said, uh, I, I was very, I'm very introverted and shy, so I said, um, um Becca, would, would you go out with me on Friday night? And she says, yes, just, just like it. Yep, Yeah, yeah, sure, I'll do that. She did not even know my name at the time. <laughs> she had to go back to her roommates and ask, hey, who's this guy? You know, he works in the kitchen. What, what is his name? I pursued her. I pursued her because I longed to have a relationship with her. And I'm so thankful God has given me 34 years with this precious lady. And this week is hard because she's in the States yet. And I'm here and I'm thinking, I told her yesterday, I miss you terribly. I miss you terribly. But I love her. And, that, and God is pursuing you to have a relationship with you. God pursued Noah as God pursued all of these people to have a relationship with you. A relationship that is real and is Personal. The God of this universe longs to have a relationship with you. And it's not some surfacey, garbage relationship with you. It is a relationship in which he wants you to know him in a far deeper way. And he wants to know you. He wants to show you that he knows you. He knows everything there is to know about you. And he deeply loves you. A relationship that is real. A relationship that is personal. One of the things I love, I've just figured out, when I would walk out of our house, we had the promenade, and I, I walk at night because of the heat. Well, I've been longing. One of the things I did when we were back in the States is I, God always provided me with a place that was quiet, a place that I could walk and I could pray. And when I pray, I, I out. I talk out loud. Well, a couple of weeks ago, I, I went to go and walk on the promenade on Saturday night. I wanted to pray, and, man, there were all these people. I didn't realize there was a, a marathon that was going on. And it was at night because of the, because of the heat, and I thought, Oh, great, now where am I supposed to walk tonight? So I had to go a different way. And when I went that different way, there was nobody. It's all construction along it. The there was nobody there. And I thought, God, thank you. Thank you. One of the things I've been praying for, God, is that you would provide me with a place where I can walk and I can simply pray and talk to you. That's a personal God. In a, in a very personal way that God longs to have a relationship with you. And he will take care of those things in your life. God longs for a relationship with you, a relationship that is real and personal. The third reality of knowing God is that God invites you to join him. God, God invites you to become involved with him in his work. Think about that for a second. The God of this universe invites you to become involved with him in what it is that he's doing. He told Noah what it was that he was going to be doing with him, didn't he? He says in verse 18, he says, I will establish my covenant with you and you will enter the ark, you and your sons and your wife and the, and your son's wife with you. God was saying, I'm going to establish my covenant with you. He was telling him, he was inviting him to join him in what it is that he was going to do. And what was it that God was going to do? He was going to destroy the earth. And at times we, we want to say, whoa, <laughs> what, 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 what's with this? Look at what it says. Let me go to just to verse 13 first. Uh, Genesis 6.13. It is 6.13. Yeah, 6.13. God said, I'm going to put an end to all the people of the earth, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. And I'm surely going to destroy both them and the earth. And at times we want to say, that's why I don't serve God. That's why I walked away from church a long time ago. I can't understand a God who would do that to this world. And what does this tell me, though? What does this tell us, though, about God? Does God take sin seriously? Sometimes in our lives, in Ezekiel chapter... uh, Go to the next verse, please. Ezekiel chapter 18. Listen to what it says. Do I take pleasure in the death of the wicked, declares the sovereign Lord? Rather, am I not pleased when they turn from their ways and live? God isn't pleased. But hear this. What this tells me is that there is a God who deals who deals with sin, who can't just look at sin and say, oh, that's okay. There comes a point in our lives where God says, that's enough. He works in our life, and he works in our life, and he works in our life. And finally, there's a time where God says, okay, if you choose not to do my will, then I will give you over to your will. And that's exactly what we read in Romans chapter 1. There are those who say to God, your will be done. And there are those to whom God says, okay, your will be done. Your will be done. And here, God was inviting Noah to become involved with what it is that he was doing. And the fourth reality that we have is that God speaks. God speaks through the Holy Spirit. God speaks by the Holy Spirit through the Bible, through prayer and circumstances to reveal himself, his purposes, and his ways. Now, this is really an important one. Because when we open the scriptures up, are we just opening up a book where we're not? When you hear the scriptures read to you, that's God's holy word that is God speaking to our heart. And when we open the word of God, before we open it up, we should be praying, God, I don't know what it is that you're going to say to my heart today, but Lord, help my ears to be open and my heart to be open for what it is that God, you are going to say to me. Because God speaks by the Holy Spirit through the Bible. And as, even as we come in on a Sunday morning and we hear the Word of God preached and read, we are encountering what it is that God is seeking to say to our hearts. Many times, I had, I've told you this story, I think, before. Uh, there are times when I've been preaching and a guy will come up to me after church and he said, you talked to my wife, didn't you? I said, what are you talking about? He said, you, you talked to my wife. I said, what are you talking about? He said, you wouldn't have preached on what it is you preached this morning had you not talked to my wife. I said, dude, I didn't talk to your wife. I simply preached this because this is what God laid on my heart. Obviously, God is speaking to your heart through His Word. That's why it's so important that as we come into into church on Sunday morning, we're having an encounter with God. God is going to speak to us through His Word. And when God speaks to us through His Word, He says, if you hear the Word of God, He says, do not do what? Do not harden your hearts. And as we come in to to hear God's word, are we in the place where our hearts are ready to receive what it is that God says? If God lays his hand on something in our heart and says, that's got to go, what will your reaction be? When God speaks to your heart, the next thing that you do determines what it is that you believe about God. He says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. And sometimes we do what it is that we do because we have no fear of God. When I say fear, I mean respect honor and reverence towards God. And why did Noah serve him? He served him because he loved him. John 14, 21 says, Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he's the one who loves me. Like I've said before, and you'll hear again, if we have trouble obeying the commands of God, we we don't have an obedience problem. We have a love problem. We have a love problem. He speaks through the Bible. Through prayer and through circumstances. When God spoke to Noah, did he know what it is that God was saying? Without a doubt. Verse 13 again, he says, I'm going to put an end to all people for for the earth is filled with violence because of them. I'm surely going to destroy both them and the earth. And then he says to them, this is what I want you to do. He said, Verse 14, so make yourself an ark of cypress word, make rooms in it, and coat it inside and out with pitch. This is how you were to build it. The ark is to be 137 meters long, 23 meters wide, and 14 meters high. I mean, right down to the very dimensions. Did did Noah know what it was that God had said to him? And here's the thing, uh, point point number five, reality number five. Whenever God speaks, whenever God... God's invitation for you to work with him will always lead to a crisis of belief that requires faith and action on your part. When Noah heard what it was that God God said to them, had he ever built an ark before? There's a place in the United States in the state of Kentucky that they built a full-scale replica of of Noah's ark. And I went on YouTube yesterday and was like, oh my word, that thing is enormous. Had Noah ever done anything like that before? Where, was, where, was the, where were the animals going to come from? When, when God said what it was that he wanted Noah to do, when he invited Noah to join him and what it was that he was doing, had Noah ever done any of these things before? And sometimes when, we, when God shows us what it is that he has wanted to do in and through our lives, we say, wait a second, God, where is that going to come from? How is it going to happen? Listen, when the eternal God... Lays his hand upon your life and says, this is what I'm doing, join me. He is the one who already has in mind how it is that he's going to bring it out. He knows where you're at, and he knows how he's going to bring about it. It will always result, though, in a crisis of belief that will require two things, faith and action. When Noah stepped forth, he believed God. He believed that God was going to do exactly what it was that he said. How could he believe that? Because of the relationship. Noah walked with God. He had a relationship with him. He knew God. And in the midst of that relationship, he could trust God. It will require faith and action on your part. There comes a moment when you have to stop sitting on the fence. There comes a moment when when God has opened the door and said, this is what I want you to be involved in. This is where I'm at work. I want you to join me in that. There comes a point when you have to say, God, okay. Okay, I will join you. What is it going to cost you? What is it going to cost you? Obedience is costly. It is always costly. But disobedience is far more costly. That fifth reality, God's invitation will always result in a crisis of belief that requires faith and action on our part. The sixth reality is this. You will have to make major adjustments in your life to join God in what he's doing. I think back a year ago, for Beck and I, What on earth? God, you can't be serious. Coming to Hong Kong, of all all places, you can't be serious, but God was. For Becca and I to join God in what it was that he was doing here meant major adjustments in our life. We had to sell everything. Here's all my stuff. I mean, I love to garden, I love to cut lawn, and I love to rototill. And on that day, all that stuff was on the front yard, my riding lawnmower, my rototiller, all that stuff. And in a matter of moments, there were guys that came up and you know they just po- greased my palm with money. And it's like I'm watching all this stuff go away, and people are walking through our house and say, "I'll take that, I'll take that." And by the time that we were done, we looked in our house the last day, the house was empty. And both Beck and I, we looked at each other and we began to cry and we said, "Are we sure we're doing what it is that God has called us to do?" And we said, "Without a doubt." And we were willing to follow God. In order to follow God, there will be major adjustments in your life. For Noah to do what it was that God called him, he had to make major adjustments in his life, didn't he? To join God in what he was doing. And that seventh reality, you will come to know God by experience as you obey him and he accomplishes his will through you. Noah came to know God. He walked with God already. But did Noah come to know God in a way that he never would have After this event, absolutely, absolutely. Look at this. This is so cool. As we read in Genesis chapter seven, verse seven to nine, God says, and and it says, and Noah and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives entered the ark to escape the waters of the flood. Pairs of clean and unclean animals and birds of, of birds and all creatures that move along the ground, male and female. Look at this. Came to Noah and entered the ark. God brought them. Noah didn't have to go out there chasing him down to bring him. God brought them there. And it says, as God had commanded Noah. Noah entered the ark as God commanded. And there was a verse that I missed before, verse 22. It's so huge. Noah did all that God commanded him. Noah did all that God commanded him, no matter how outlandish it sounded. Noah did all that God commanded him. I had somebody ask me the other day. We were out on a hike and he said, he used a word I didn't even, or an acronym, something for how do, you, how do you test that whether or not your church is, is doing well or not. And I don't know, there's a, there's a word that they use in the, in the marketplace today. I said, I didn't even know what it meant. I said, what does that mean? And he said, well, how do you test whether or not your church is doing well or not? And I said, well, we really don't, you know, look at it in that way. But I said, if I were to look at it and say how, how well is the church doing, I would ask the question, how are we doing in the area of faithfulness? with what God is asking us to do. In everything that God called Noah to do, he did it. And, and I, one of my prayers has been as I walk at night, as I'm saying before God is, God, what is it that you have in mind for us as a congregation? In this time, 14 weeks of unrest, in this time, God, what are you calling Alliance International Church, how are you calling us? What is it that you desire for us to be in the midst of this time? God, what invitation is it that you have for us as a church? And then I'm thinking as well, as I walked through here this morning, there was nobody here, and I just walked through here and praying and asking God, God, what is it that you have for each one, for the families that are here? Lord why now? Why is it that you put on our hearts so so deeply that now is the time to walk through a series like this? God, what is it that you have in mind? And in the midst of these times, watching to see God, what is it that you want? And everything that God called Noah to do, He did it. He did it. Noah enters the ark. Look at this though. So Noah enters the ark. In verse 10 and 11, it says, "And after the seven days, the flood waters came on the earth." In the six hundred year of Noah's life and on the 17th day of the second month, on that day the springs of the, of the great deep burst forth and the floodgates of heaven were open. How long of a time was it between the time when Noah enters the ark and when God brings the rain? It's a week. A week. Can you imagine what that must have been like? Noah and his whole family and the, everybody into the into the ark and they sit down. It's okay. Now God's going to do something. And one day goes by, and two days go by, and four days go by, and six days go by. And it's like, okay, did we hear from God? I mean, we got this big ark here, we got all these animals here, and it's been six days. And day seven comes along, and Noah hears two things. The one is a thud. What's the thud? We read it in verse, verse 16. The animals were going in, male and female, and every living thing, as God commanded them. And then Lord, the Lord shut him in. God shut the door. The first thing he hears is God shutting the door. Seven days he had to wait in there. Seven days. And then God shuts the door. The next thing he hears is first, it probably started as a gentle pitter-patter, and then a deafening roar of rain upon upon the roof. Did Noah come to know God in a way that he never would have after this event? Yes, he did. Because how did he come to know God? He came to know God as the one who keeps his word. When Noah leaves the ark, what does God do? God puts a rainbow in the sky. And every time when we were living in the Midwestern part of the United States and even out in the Western part, have, there'd be no trees and you could look for miles and miles. And there'd be a rainstorm and you could see this beautiful rainbow out there. And every time Beck and I would see that rainbow, we'd say, thank you, God. Because that's God's promise. He said, never again will I destroy the earth in this way. When Noah enters the ark and God brings the rain, Noah came to experience God. He came to know God as a God who keeps his word. Noah also came to see that God was a sustainer of life. When when Noah enters the ark, he and his family, and all of these animals, they go through a whole time. It's over 150 days of time that they're in that ark. And as they come out of the ark, God has already prepared things for them. God is a sustainer of life. And I think Noah also realized that he is a God who won't tolerate evil. He's a God who won't tolerate evil. You come to know God by experience as you obey him. And he accomplishes his work and his will through you. In everything that God asked Noah to do, he did it. As we are entering into this new series, I wonder if I could ask you a couple questions. I'm going to ask them anyway. Um, Where is your heart at? Because for some of us, we come into church and we're coming here. I mean, we're we're sitting down, we're taking up a a seat. But our hearts are a long ways away from the Lord. And one of the things I I wonder about in this series, if God isn't doing a work of calling hearts back to him. The fire has gone out. You've gone away from the Lord. you're, You're here on a Sunday morning but you leave here on Sunday morning and it's all about you the rest of the week. The God of this universe invites you to join him in something that is far bigger than yourself. Where's your heart this morning? The second thing I would ask is, are we in a posture? Are we in a posture of listening? In a posture, in a place where, as we're reading God's word, we're saying, God, I want to know and to do your will. God, would you open my heart And my ears to hear what it is. And then God, would you give me the courage to join you in what it is that you're doing. In a posture of listening. I don't understand why it is that God has this series at this time for us right now. But I know that God, in his timing, has us walking through this time. And so I'm saying, okay, God, look at my heart too. Where is my heart with you? God, give me ears to hear. Let me be in a a posture of where I'm hearing. And that, God, when you speak to me, that, God, I am obedient to what it is that you're asking me to do. Knowing and doing the will of God, that's how we come to experience it. Would you join me in prayer this morning? Father, thank you again for the word. And, Lord, thank you for, for bringing this sermon series at this time. For, Lord, you made it patently clear to me that this is what it is that you desire for this time. And, Lord, you have something in mind for us as a church. In the midst of this time of of unrest and turmoil in this city, a city that we love so deeply, we cry out to you, God, and say, please, bring peace. We also ask the question, God, what is it that you would have AIC to do? How is it that you would have AIC to be part of what it is that you're doing here in Hong Kong? That is a staggering thought. That you would use a body of believers like us. We're small, but yet that, God, you would use a church like us to bring about your will and to bring about your kingdom will here in this this community. And, God, what is it that you have in mind for each one of us, for families, for individuals, for young people, for high school age, for college age? What is it that, God, you are wanting to do in and through us to bring glory to your name. Lord, would you give us ears to hear? But God, would you work as well in our hearts? Because for some of us, our hearts are not close to you. We leave here on a Sunday morning, and it's all about us the rest of the week. God in heaven, you are not a God who tolerates evil. And I pray that, Lord, our hearts would not be hard towards you, but rather that, Lord, our hearts would be tender and soft to you. Lord, as you've spoken to our hearts this morning, God, would we be willing to say yes to you? If there are those things that, God, you are calling us to take up, things that you are calling us to be involved in, Lord, that we would say yes to you. There are those things that, God, you are saying that needs to stop, that, Lord, we would say yes to you. And not only just verbally say yes to you, but that our actions would show, too, that we are obedient to you. Precious Father, I pray that as a church, you would walk through with us through this time. And God, as we look, as we start this series out, I look with excitement to see where we will be in a month, two months from now. And what it is that God, you've taught us. Lord, I long to see you move and work in and through us. Lord, we long to know and do what it is that you're calling us to do. So come, Lord, and do what only you can. And I pray this to the honor and to the glory of your holy name. Amen, amen. Would you join me in praying as our Father, our Lord Jesus has taught us to pray? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Now may the grace and the peace and the love of the Lord Jesus Christ be yours. May you come to know him in such a way that when he speaks to your heart, you say yes. I pray the blessing of his hand upon you and upon your home. In the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. It's good to be home.